Uh, we're going to have our reading now, which is Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 9 to 20. It can be found on page 946 of the Red Bibles. So that's page 946, Zephaniah 3, starting at verse 9. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. On that day, you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me, because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill. But I will leave within you the meek and humble, The remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord. They will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord, your God, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honour in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Well, thanks very much, Sophie. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Madush. Please do keep your Bibles open there, page 946. And as we begin, let's ask God to fill us with joy as we fix our eyes on what he has done. God, you have revealed yourself as a mighty warrior who acts against the wicked and for the humble. Help us to seek shelter with you. Help us to behold all that you have done and all that you will do, and so to sing aloud with joy. Amen. I love the endings of movies. You've been on a journey with all of the characters. It feels, by that point, as if you know them. You're emotionally invested. I especially love movies that end in celebration. The bad guys lose, the good guys win. Everything works out. And The Lord of the Rings... We first meet Aragorn as this anonymous ranger, and then as a heroic warrior. 
But on the journey, we discover that he's actually the heir to the throne of Gondor. And at the end of the return of the king, the clues in the title, he's finally crowned. Evil has been defeated at great cost. The united forces of good are gathered at Gondor for the coronation. It is a really moving celebration. But you know the bit that gets me? Aragon, serious, brooding Aragon, doesn't just smile, he sings. It feels slightly out of character at first. And then you realize, actually, no, this is totally in character. This is what it's all been building up to. He is the king. Evil is defeated. This is right. You want to cry and laugh and jump all at the same time. Great endings grip us. Zephaniah has a great ending. Now let me ask you this. When you think of God, what comes to mind? What is he like? So far through Zephaniah, we've encountered a God of justice. Now maybe that's left you with the impression or reinforced the impression that the God of the Old Testament is vengeful and angry. And even if you have a high view of God's justice, that he's truly righteous, that he's good, morally upright, just in his judgments, you may still be left thinking that God is hesitant or grudging in showing kindness to us. What does God say he's like at the level of his affections? What gives him great enjoyment? What's the posture of his heart towards people like us? Well, you'll be pleased to know that Zephaniah shows us. Here's a sneak peek. Chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. We have a God who sings. He sings for you. His heart overflows with pleasure because of you. It's remarkable. The God of justice is a God of joy. The mighty warrior who marches in justice against sinful people is the same mighty warrior who saves and delights in his people. Zephaniah has a great ending. So far, the, Lord, the day of the Lord has been announced through the book. We heard of the devastating judgment that would come on that day. To remind you, take a quick look back at chapter 3, verse 8. This is what God says. He says, I have decided to assemble the nations, to gather the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them, all my fierce anger. The whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. That's the background. God's justice is coming. 
But now, from verse 9, we see the result of the day of the Lord. And it's amazing. People from everywhere are gathered and purified. Jerusalem is renewed. Pick it up from verse 9. God says, I will then purify the lips of the peoples that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. Somehow, God's judgment results in people from all over the world being cleansed and turning to worship God side by side, forgetting all their old enmities. Verse 10, from beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshippers, my scattered people, will bring me offerings. God gathers people from the furthest reaches of the world, and as they come to worship him, they bring with them their treasures as offerings. You may remember last week, we were thinking about how God's justice would fall on cities all over the world, and we talked about the British Museum with all of its stolen treasures from all over the world going up in flames. Well, here are the nations coming joyfully to God's city, and they're bringing with them all of their treasures as offerings to him out of delight, out of worship. And you notice how God calls them my worshipers, my scattered people? They've gone from being foreigners and strangers to God's treasure. It's remarkable. How has this happened? But that's not all. On that day, Jerusalem will also be renewed. Though her citizens wronged God, though they rejected his rule, from chapter 1, they chose to worship Baal or Molech or the stars. They've become a treacherous, profane, and violent people. The beginning of chapter 3. They receive honor now, not shame. The proud, the self-assured, the self-reliant are gone. Instead, verse 12, within her are the meek and humble. The meek are those who have suffered and turned in dependence to God for deliverance. The humble are the weak, the poor, those who recognize their spiritual condition and run to Jesus for help. The remnant of Israel, those who remain, who are still alive, will trust in the name of the Lord. They won't do evil because they've been cleansed. They will enjoy peace and safety. God will abundantly supply all of their need and give them rest. It's remarkable. How has this happened? How is it that God's justice has been satisfied? How is it that sinful people who reject God by default now trust and worship him. What has changed? You see, Zephaniah is implicitly showing us that the hope of transformation, a renewed people in a renewed Jerusalem, comes through judgment. 
It doesn't come by escaping it. It comes through judgment. Judah must die. We must die. But in death is the hope of new life. Now this was signposted all the way back in chapter 1 when the day of the Lord was first announced. Uh, Turn back with me. It's just one page back. Chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, Do you see it there? Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood will be poured out. And a little bit further back, chapter 1, verse 7. The day of the Lord is coming, and so what has God done? He has prepared a sacrifice for that day. And we observe there that the citizens of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, are the sacrifice. They are the ones who will die. They can't escape it. But on the other side of that judgment, chapter 3, there is new life. So back to chapter 3, take a look at verse 15. Do you see what God has done? The Lord has taken away your punishment. That word there that's translated punishment is from the root for judgment. The Lord, in other words, has taken away the judgments against you. How? Well, it's linked back to this idea of sacrifice. An atonement has been made in the day of the Lord. God's own people were the sacrifice. This is the pattern of redemption in Zephaniah. And so we can sum up Zephaniah's message like this. We have a righteous God who is angry at the wickedness of the world. He has a coming day of judgment. He comes against all of those who proudly lift themselves up. He doesn't even spare his own people. There is no one who will escape. Now, for the nations, judgment is retributive. They are justly punished for their wickedness. They have sinned, and now they pay the price. But for Judah, the same judgment accomplishes more. It's restorative. Now, take a quick detour with me. We saw back in chapter 1 how in the language of Deuteronomy, the curses for covenant disobedience are falling on God's people on the day of the Lord. They have been unfaithful, and God judges them. This was the expectation then of what would happen. Deuteronomy chapter 30. When all these blessings and curses I've said before you come on you and you take them to heart, it's going to happen. You can't escape it. When all of these blessings and curses come. And verse 2, when you and your children return to the Lord, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. And when God brings his people back, look at what he does with them. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart 
and with all your soul and live. The covenant curses would fall and then God would act to renew his people at the level of their hearts. And so for God's people, judgment accomplishes more. It's restorative. An atonement is made. A sacrifice is offered. Blood is shed to satisfy God's justice. And here's the key bit. Sin is dealt with. The result is that an inside-out transformation occurs. Dead people are made alive. Hearts of stone turn to hearts of flesh. Desires that are bent inward on ourselves now find satisfaction in God. But it's even better than that. You see, it turns out that this atonement is broader than just for Judah. Now, because of the great day of the Lord, the nations find hope in Israel. It's not just Judah that's renewed. People from everywhere are purified. So in Zephaniah, we see the God who did not spare his own, but gave them up for us all. Through their judgment, the humble were sheltered, preserved through death, so that at the right time, God would raise them. God has acted in the day of the Lord so that the meek inherit the earth. What an amazing salvation. What a savior we have. Now you're hearing all of these allusions to Jesus. The son that God did not spare the son that he gave up to death for us. And perhaps you're thinking, didn't he die so that we don't have to, so that we can escape? How does renewal come through judgment? I thought we just get to avoid it. Well, the thing we must get from Zephaniah is that if there is no death, there is no purification. There is no inner transformation. We would just remain people whose inclination is always to reject God. We would have no power to live differently. The gospel is a call to come and die. Christians are those who have died and been raised to new life. If you haven't died, you are not a Christian. For those who run to Jesus for shelter, God's Son died to satisfy God's righteous anger. Those he shelters are those who have been united to him in his death and resurrection. These are God's words from Romans 6. If we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection 
like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. If we died with Christ, we will also live with him. No death, no freedom. No death, no life. No death, no power to love and obey the living God. If we died with Christ, we will also live with him. Isn't that a remarkable hope? It is an invitation to come and die that we may live. That we may no longer be slaves to sin, but free to worship and delight in the Lord. That's the pattern of redemption that Zephaniah is pointing us to. Judah will die, but on the other side of her death, Judah and the nations will become the purified citizens of the renewed Jerusalem. I think that's remarkable. I think that is mind-blowing truth. But here's the question it leaves us with. Have you died? Through Zephaniah's announcement of the day of the Lord, have you recognized your condition, your desperate need? Have you seen where you stray into false worship? Has your pride, your assurance in your own strength and wisdom been exposed? Then seek the Lord. Those are the words of chapter 2, verse 3. Seek the Lord. Run to Jesus and die. He will give you resurrection life. Well, if these truths have gripped your heart, this is that moment when life turns into a musical. Everything and everyone bursts into song and dance. It doesn't get better than this. Verse 14. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Why such celebration? We rejoice for what the Lord has done. That's there in verse 15. The Lord has taken away your punishment. The judgments against you are removed. The record is wiped clean. He has turned back your enemy. No longer will you be attacked by wicked people. Never again will you face persecution for following the risen Jesus. And best of all, the Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. This is the fulfillment of every covenant promise God has ever made. It's the hope of a holy God living in the midst of sinful people. Only we're not sinful anymore. He has taken away the judgments against us. 
He is a holy God living among righteous people, people clothed in the righteousness of the risen Lord Jesus. And it's here that we see God's heart. We see what he's like at the core of his being. We see his posture towards people like us. Verse 17, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior, remember the one who's charging against you in judgment? That same mighty warrior saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Let that sink in. That's how the living God looks at you. Doesn't matter what your past is. You're a rich. So am I. Our hearts are fickle. We are so easily blown this way and that. In one moment, we are in awe of him. Other times, sin has us captivated. If another person treats us like that, the way we are disloyal to God, then our trust would be eroded in no time. We would be hesitant, reluctant to show them any of our affection. Not God, not to us. He's not cautious in his tenderness to us. He is eager. He longs to show us favor. He takes great delight in us. I mean, come on. He sings over us. That is love. There is no more secure place for us. No place we are more affirmed. No place we are more deeply cared for. Such love changes us. It frees us to love him, to rejoice over him with all of our hearts. It frees us to love each other. And so sing, friends, sing. Sing for all that the Lord has done. I'll close with these verses. Verse 19. This is what God will do. At that time I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time I will gather you. At that time I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. What an amazing salvation. What a savior we have. He brings down the proud but raises the humble. The weak, the poor, the lame, all have a place in his city. So seek the Lord, you humble of the earth. Seek him. Do what he commands by the power that he alone supplies. Let's pray. Mighty warrior, the God who sings, we long to be the purified citizens in your renewed city. Help us to see the God who delights in his people and to run to you for shelter. 
Change us from the inside out. Renew our hearts that we may have new life and rejoice in you with all our hearts. Amen.